I've been to Portugal. You ever had to say the word staff in Portugal? Uh, when you were in Portugal? Like you shall not pass kind of stuff? Yeah, that kind of stuff. No. Shit. Hello, and welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and surprises. My name is Bob. And my name is Matt. And I've heard that there's a surprise in store for me. I do. I have a surprise for Bob. It's a... I'm going to reveal it to him right now, live on the podcast. I can't wait. I'm actually terrified. Yeah, you probably should be. This is going to affect everything that comes after this. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, my Look. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this is the Super Mario cereal. And uh, we're going to, I guess, eat this right now? Oh, yeah. We're going to eat it right now. Oh, this is live. so awesome. Live. On the podcast. Not live for anybody else but us. Nothing works better over audio than this us is, eating cereal. This is the Super Mario cereal, which has been very hard to find in Chicago until just recently. Target oh. got a shipment in, and this I bought a bunch of boxes. It is an Amiibo. It's an amiibo. Yes, you can see right here. This this box is a special amiibo. It says, "Try it with Super Mario Odyssey." Um, it features power up marshmallows. Okay, and actually, looking at it here, it appears the marshmallows are. Uh, they don't actually look like what they say they will. Uh, there's no. hearts. I'm. What is this? What there's is this? Question yellow... boxes. Oh, okay, what's the, what's the pink one? I don't really see those. Oh, I think that's also a mushroom. I think there's green and red mushrooms. Oh, red. It huh. looks like a Lucky Charms. Yeah. Let's get let's get some milk in here. Yeah, here got we some go. milk. All right. Get the Oh, it smells fruity. It smells like a fruity pebble. It smells like tricks. It does. Yeah, yeah. Man, that tastes like cereal. <laughs> um I expected it to be a little more exciting. You know what it tastes better than? What? Switch cartridges. Yeah, I'll give you that. Oh, we should put those in here. This is pretty good cereal. Yeah, I mean, the marshmallow, there's a lot of marshmallows. As, like, sugary candy cereal goes, this is a top-notch one of those. It's uh, very fruity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're really going for, like, the the fruity, the fruit, the fruit. (laughs) It's fruity. (laughs) You'll notice I sprung for the uh, 2% milk, too. Mm-hmm. Which is thank you for that. Yeah, I just filled mine with beer, <laughs> so maybe maybe I'm having a better time than most. What would you call that? <laughs> I would call that burial. <laughs> Morning breakfast burial. We're recording this at nine a.m. I just I love how none of the marshmallows actually look like the things that they're supposed to be. Mm-mm. Even on the box, some of them are questionable. Mm. Like. Look at the box. Like, okay, that's a. I like the idea that Mario is eating this cereal, which is what the box implies. Well, this is how he gets his power ups. Uh huh. Actually, if they had made the little, what I feel like in the '90s, what this would have been is that the little figures wouldn't have been things that Mario actually eats. They'd be like little, um, like marshmallow versions of Luigi and Peach, which would make this picture of Mario looking (laughs) enticing. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest though. Like, what we what we can learn from this is that they do not have the fidelity to create that. <laughs> Although, actually, these little mushrooms, this green mushroom I got right here, this one looks pretty much like a green mushroom. The green mushrooms are solid. Yeah, yeah. It's the red ones and the question mark boxes are the. I wish were a little bit could be a little bit stronger. Uh, wow, you tore through that. I cereal. housed it. I needed that cereal for fuel. All right, I gotta finish this cereal. Okay. Should we take a break? Let's take a break. Awesome. So that was good. That was actually really good. I'm full. I'm very surprised by it. Uh, and yeah, it's my new favorite food. Yeah, mine too. Um, now that we're powered up, do you want to talk about the news? Well, don't you have any surprises for me? N- no. All right, I guess we'll go to the news. <laughs> is the lack of a surprise a surprise in and of itself? <laughs> I thought the show was about surprises. Yeah. We'll have to re-record the intro. <laughs> All right, let's just move on to the news. Maybe there's a surprise there. Uh, there might be. Uh, first surprise. 
Matt, uh, I'm the news editor this week for those at home. Matt, uh, there's a <coughs> Sonic the Hedgehog film coming in 2019. Really? Yes. That's so soon. Uh, yeah. I, well, incredibly, uh, it was originally scheduled for a 2018 holiday release, but it has now been pushed back to the coming holiday in 2019. Okay. Uh, tell me more. So, what hell hath Paramount Pictures wrought? <laughs> oh, um, Paramount. So, uh. the director of Deadpool is producing this, <laughs> which is weird, but does make me want to see his DeviantArt search history. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, there's some guy who directed an Oscar-nominated short film who's directing this. I'm sure he's thrilled. He might be. Well, the Sonic lore. I want to. I want to read his pull quote about how deep the Sonic <laughs> lore is, and how they are pulling, and that the fans. Yeah. Are, are really this is a movie for the fans. Yeah, this is all about Big the Cat. <laughs> um. So, the most interesting thing here for me is that it is a combination of live action and CG, uh, which means that this might be following the timeline where Sonic has sex with a human woman. That's where my mind went immediately as well. That is implied in one of the Sonic oh, games. Oh, I, re- like, I <laughs> see the screenshot so clearly in my mind. Yeah. So do we think that Sonic is going to make sweet love to a human lady? Oh, boy. Or will it be like heavily implied that it's a possibility? I think that it'll be one of those things where it like Sonic and the woman just make eyes at each other and then cut to an inexplicable shot of a train going through <laughs> a, a tunnel. And it's like, what? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> yeah. There's no symbolism there. Because <laughs> they can't, they won't go into a hole. <laughs> but a real life hedgehog. Very fast. In nature. Though. He's very fast. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you think that this will bring us closer to a special edition, like, Jordan shoe that is the Sonic shoes? Considering the fact that my only real interest in Sonic is... His shoes is special edition sneakers. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm right there with you. I want them, but I want them to be the Sonic shoes, but done in maybe a black color scheme. No, I want like the traditional colors. I just want them to be like functional shoes. Yeah. Do you think that they need to make you go faster, or you're just cool if they just look good? It'd be cool if they just look good. Yeah, they just make you faster in a social situation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Um, enough about Sonic. I. Sonic is there there's, bad. so that's oh man I just I want like I want to hear the director talk about talk this. about this so badly like how surprisingly dark the movie may actually be fans Do you think might Shadow be will be in it will Sonic have a gun in this movie Wait who's Shadow Shadow the Hedgehog is from a spin-off game that they did uh This is post Dreamcast but I I think it was on the GameCube. Okay, so this was like one of Sonic's first forays into Nintendo. Yeah, uh, but he, I don't think Sonic was necessarily in this game. It was about Shadow the Hedgehog, who is like Sonic, but he is colored black. and So has, he's the Jungian Shadow. He has two handguns. <laughs> he's like Devil May Cry Sonic. He has handguns? Yeah, pistols. Two pistols what does he do with them he holds them sideways uh or as they say uh in unreal tournament gangster style <laughs> and uh unleashes hell man I, I had no idea this was a thing it totally is this is really ooh. yeah it's a bad scene no that's gonna be the straight to dvd like r-rated version <laughs> that's when when sonic that's the like, hedgehog unrated comes yeah. out it will have all of the cut shadow shadow scenes. sequences <laughs> I'm thinking more like DC Universe when they do like their animated R-rated movies and it's a big deal. Yeah, because so Batman, raw. Batman can have blood now. I look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, Metal Gear Survive. Are you familiar with this game, Matt? Um, I'm a little familiar with it. Okay, you have some experience with it. I understand. Which I we do. might hear about later. We might get into that. Okay. Uh, Metal Gear Survive. That game costs $40, correct? It costs $40. I would call it the best free-to-play game that is not free-to-play. Wow. Uh, did you know that if you want an extra character slot, it costs $50? Because they're selling character slots for 10 bones? No. I had no idea. Isn't that crazy? How? I was going to later on applaud this game for being relatively... <laughs> like. 
low key when it comes to trying to sell you peripherals, and it, clearly it is because I had no idea that that was a thing. All right, so they're bad salespeople, but, but they maybe have a terrible product. Well, I guess it's a good thing I live alone. I have no idea what that means. Because then no one else wants a different character oh, slot. Oh, yeah. Nobody else needs to have a save on your machine. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be $10 if that was the case. I thought you said $50. No, $10. Well, it would be $50 total. Oh. Because yes. the game is 40 Yeah. This is the sort of simple I math that I saying. excel at. <laughs> I think you're saying it's $50 for an extra character slot. <laughs> no, that would be brutal. Yeah, 10 is still egregious, but I was my mind was trying to wrap around 50 I get it. But 10 is pretty intense for just an extra save slot on a game you already own i know that's a glass of wine uh you don't need to talk about that game in any depth at this point uh but is an extra character slot something of real import i didn't know you could have extra character slots well you can't because you haven't spent the extra ten (laughs) dollars i didn't know that i couldn't have extra character slots i didn't know that one conceivably could but is that something you would want um, Given the game's structure, is that like would you have multiple characters with different stats or something? No, this actually kind of reveals a lot of interesting stuff. Okay, let's let's definitely bring this back later because the nature of the game is is actually that they kind of confine you to one particular class for a very long period of time, and I I I AP Chem presume yeah I'd be failing it if that were the case I would not be interested in this. Um, I presume that maybe it opens up other classes, but it's interesting that they did that because if you could have multiple classes like right out the gate, I would be much more likely to start a different character slot in a you know very Dark Souls Dark Souls way. Interesting. Because um, ob- like I have Metal Gear Solid Five, I've only ever played one slot in that. For right. instance, yeah, I've never restarted that. Yeah, because you're just Solid Snake, and his class is a badass. You clearly didn't beat the game. No. Is he not a badass? No, you're just not playing Solid Snake. Oh, yeah. Spoiler. Oh. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so that's a bummer. You're playing Jeremy. Jeremy? Yeah. Our friend Jeremy? Our friend Jeremy. Weird. Um, All right. Uh, This next one, it's a quick hit. Vanquish is backwards compatible on the Xbox One. I see. And it's like also on PC yeah. too now. Well, you it's mean, been on the PC for a while. Oh, a few months or something like yeah. that. And you can run it at 60. Like, like you can crank the frame rate up higher than 60 there and like anti-alias it. Can you shit. do the same on the Xbox One? I think it always ran at 60. I could be wrong. But I think I think that was one of the On things. the 360, it ran at 60? I think it might have. We could look into that. We won't, though. Uh, <laughs> what matters is that if you have not played Vanquish and you own any Xbox permutation that has ever existed, get a copy of Vanquish. If you own a PC, get a copy of Vanquish. Vanquish, Vanquish is incredible. Vanquish is the only game I own on the Xbox 360 still. <laughs> that's awesome, and that's a great choice. It just sits on my shelf because I don't own an Xbox 360. But now, if I were to buy an Xbox One... You could play Vanquish. I could play Vanquish. Yeah, and it would become a Vanquish box as your PS2 is a... Is, or your PS3, rather, is a God Hand machine. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Vanquish is an excellent game. Vanquish is so cool. You should play Vanquish. How would you describe Vanquish in one sentence? Just so that people know why they should get into it. Other than Shinji Mikami made it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's Resident Evil 4 with Rocket Boots. Yeah. If you think that, like, Rocket Boots and uh, Bullet Time. So, yeah. if that appeals to you at all, you're a, uh, you have a pulse and it's like- you should get it. Shinji Mikami played Gears of War, said, faster. <laughs> yes. And it is, is Sonic the Hedgehog two Gears of War? Yeah. I think in a review that I wrote or maybe once. maybe Shadow the Hedgehog. I said it was like Centipede compared to Space Invaders. Mm. Uh, it's a great mm. game. That's a tasty metaphor. Thank you. I'm very proud of it. Uh, also, I love Centipede. Also, if you haven't played Centipede, go buy a Centipede cabinet. Yeah. Honestly, you probably should at this point. I should. You should. I'm talking. I'm talking to the readers. Oh, you should. Good, yeah. At this point, if you've been listening to the podcast this long and you haven't bought a centipede cabinet, you're not a real fan. <laughs> we'll sign it for you. I will. I will come to your house and I will sign it. I will pay my airfare if you buy a centipede cabinet so that I can play centipede for free at your house. If you send it to me with a self-addressed stamped envelope, I will return it to you signed. <laughs> That's a promise. I can't wait to see all of the mail we get as we're crushed under the weight of all these arcade cabinets <laughs> being delivered. Um, Hawaii has had it with loot boxes. Uh, 
Legislators in Hawaii have said aloha, which I understand also means goodbye. Uh, That's a common crossword clue. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so they've said that to uh, loot boxes in four new bills that they have introduced into the legislature. The, the goal of these bills is to regulate the sales of games involving loot boxes because they believe them to be a form of gambling, which they are. Uh, Matt seems to not bu- be buying this. I was just I was thinking about the idea that, like, what if you had a, a, a bunch of, of new senators or whatever named Bill? <laughs> and you're introducing them. How many times has that joke been made? Oh, man, they're just getting hazed mercilessly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, given that all of our legislative bodies are boys clubs comprised of people that were in fraternities, yeah. I'm sure that is all over the place. Though I don't know if they have the wit necessary to knock out oh, those wit. hot jokes. Also, um, I'm going to throw this out there and then we're going to return to Hawaii. But um, <laughs> the great state of Kentucky, I believe, has a governor named Matt Bevers, which also happens to be the name of the roommate. Um, of Abby's roommate on Broad City. Yes. I believe this to be true, and I have yet to hear anybody in the entire world comment on it. <laughs> if you if you have a hot take on this... Or, or if you are Matt Bevers, write in. <laughs> or if I'm wrong, because I might be wrong. Don't write in. I haven't in. double-checked this, and we're not going to take a break, because we've taken too many of those we've heard. Yeah, honestly. Uh, but do write in to Zero Stars... No, podcast <laughs> at Zero Stars dot co 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 so again that's zero stars no podcast <laughs> no <laughs> i'm sorry am i getting this wrong i don't know anymore <laughs> we don't we don't we don't care zero podcast at zero stars dot co rating reviews on address. itunes <laughs> um anyways, back to hawaii do aloha you, <laughs> do you think of loot boxes as gambling have you ever purchased a loot box for money? We've we've gotten into this before. I've never purchased a loot box for money. I could imagine purchasing a loot box for money um, in certain for certain games. Uh, I think of it as gambling the same way potentially that I would think of um, buying Magic the Gathering cards would oh, be gambling in a, in a like a booster pack. pack. Yeah, but the difference being that Magic the Gathering cards that you have to buy or Pokemon cards or you you Gaio. Yep. Whatever, you whatever your heroin, that requires you to go out to a store potentially and then like throw down cash. This is something that's tied integrally to integrally. the experience of the game. Integrally, integrally, integrally. It's funny you say that. I hadn't really uh, drawn that connection before between magic cards and loot boxes, but they are identical. And oh, if we're going to regulate loot boxes, it feels like we really should regulate magic cards. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's access to these things is what's different. Like, I think some of these prey on people a little bit more. I assume that there are probably loot boxes where it's like, you pay money and maybe you'll get nothing at all. And that would be, that's actually how gambling works, is that you potentially don't get anything at all, usually. That's what we usually associate with gambling. But realistically, every time you buy a booster pack for a card game... You're you might gambling. get nothing, yeah. Well, I mean, you're, no, you're always going to get something, but is are you going to get something of a high value or something of a low value? Right. It's almost as though the things in the package have to be worth at least the price of the package. And in Magic the Gathering, that's often the case. That is the case. Yeah, because usually whatever cards you're going to get, even if you have a bunch of them already, they are probably worth the equivalent of whatever you're paying for a pack of cards in Magic the Gathering. That's a good point. And it's much harder to gauge cost and worth when it comes to digital items. Right, which have no inherent value. Yeah. Yeah, if it's just a bunch of uh, sound packs for uh, MOBA, what does that mean? When you're playing a game, you've got the game flashing at you saying, like, buy more, get another one, in a way that, like, nothing, when you're sitting at home playing Magic the Gathering with your friends... It's just your friend telling you that you, you suck. Sh- yeah, then you should probably start buying more packs. There's, like, there's... It doesn't have any of that casino atmosphere that is actively trying to woo you into spending more money. Yeah, that's a great point. I, Man, but, I've never drawn that yeah. connection, and it, it really is making me think. What I was thinking about with this is if we start regulating uh, these sorts of... If we think about like Overwatch, uh, the reward system in the game for playing the game is loot boxes. Yes, which and is that's yeah. not unlike you know the reward system in uh, uh, Diablo, 
or something where the drops themselves are random just for playing the game. And in Diablo, there was a conversion to a real money auction house for a time, which they got rid of. But Although it took them a few years. It did. But you start to think about random drops are always just kind of loot boxes. And does this sort of regulation start to touch that area as well? Um, and I wonder, what, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I suppose if you think of those as loot boxes, then you have to think of time as being money, which Whoa. is true uh, in I, some it's senses. It's a famous phrase, so yeah. it must be true. So uh, we accept it. Um, <laughs> here, we here at Zero Stars blindly accept the phrase time is money. Yeah, we blindly they are, accept cliche. They are equivalent. Um, yeah, I have an exchange rate I, for my time to money, and it's zero to zero because my time is worth nothing. nothing. Because two times zero is still zero. Yep. Um, I think that uh, I. I, <laughs> I think that like this is this is complicated, and it, it, maybe it's kind of like the Supreme Court on pornography, insofar as that like we know gambling when we see it. There's some very shady practices involved with loot boxes and. It's the same kind of shady practices that you sort of see in a lot of games generally outside of money or in something like like Facebook or social media in the, that you, you get someone into a hook where they're getting a dopamine high off of something mm-hmm. like you do when you go to the casino and you're gambling. And you just keep seeking that high. And so you keep returning to it. And for Facebook, that means there's more ad revenue for them. Yep. But it seems much more insidious and arguably is much more insidious when it's actually tied to a credit card. Yeah. I I think that for me, I've experienced this exact thing. Uh, cause when I was playing heroes of the storm, that's the only time I've ever bought. Yeah. You d- which money. you did for this podcast. Well, I, in part, but I also did it because I was playing the game. I was enjoying the game. No, You bled for this podcast. I do every week. <laughs> Because, every, every other week. Well, I attach a <laughs> leech to my arm because uh, I want to get out the bad humors. And then I want to get all the good, good humors ears. onto the cast. Um, Let's slurp up that ice cream. Hilarious. Uh, We're good. We're good at this. <laughs> I, uh, But I remember I, in a random drop, got a character. And I was really excited by that. Oh, it feels great. Uh, and so then I bought like five bucks worth of loot boxes in hopes of getting more characters. And I got, I think zero characters. <laughs> uh, and that was the last time I played heroes of the storm. So I don't really have the gambling bug myself, but I can see where that would really hook somebody who did. I, and I think that it's complicated and it. it, it yeah, certainly. And it, it extends out to, I think that maybe not that, I mean, I'm not a legislator, and I, I don't personally have a gambling addiction, so I probably shouldn't speak too heavily Please, on this. tell me everything. But I think that, like, you see this extended everywhere. Like I said to social media, if if um, dating apps were smart, they would license this kind of thing where they give you, if there's some sort of an algorithm where they try to give you people that they think you have a high chance of matching with up front, or that if you if some if you match with you swipe right on a, on somebody and they swipe right on you right on like Tinder or something they might like give you one then make you swipe a whole bunch more before they give you the second one right in order to try and lead you in and like get you that 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 feeling that satisfaction you get a quick hit and you then get a you're quick hit chasing that high and then for you're the chasing the, the high again yeah. you may not actually even want to reach out to the person but just getting that and i think that that's this is something that we should maybe examine more largely in our culture in a in an age of instant gratification um but also maybe pass legislation. I don't know. I mean, loot boxes, I think we can all agree that loot boxes they're, are being they're abused. They're shady. Yeah. And I think that we know bad practices when we see them because our consumer alert light that is on the back of all of our heads, implanted by Amazon, yes. goes off. And we say, it's a blue this light. isn't an Amazon product. <laughs> all right, my final news item. The Evil Within 2, it got patched, and they added a first-person mode. Have you played this? I saw it. I have not played it. I So I think that first person mode in Evil Within 2 is probably very similar to first person mode in um Battlegrounds in so far as the limitations of your field of view are huge. There's a lot of times in Evil Within 2 when I am like 
kind of trying to look around the corner, and the only way that I can do that is because it is a third-person camera. I see. You can just swing the camera around without moving the character. Yes, and that is in a game in which, like, every move that you make is so fraught with, you know, the, the Sid Meier quote about games are making interesting decisions. In The, the Evil Within 2, the interesting decisions are, do I round this corner or not? I see, because you're under strain because it's uh, it's constant risk reward right because there's probably maybe there's a really cool there's maybe some ammo or something really cool around this corner but if i go in and i'm not fully prepared or uh, then it could end badly for me and the whole enterprise could be shot shot to shot to something shot to shit i'll take it shot to poop yes thank god we avoided the explicit tag this week (laughs) (laughs) one more week sneaking right (laughs) under the wire (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, dodged a bullet there yeah so are you i mean are you excited by that is it interesting to you or will it not cause you to return to the game i'm curious about it um i don't have a, a keen desire to return to that game quite yet because i'm having certain things that that game scratches satisfied elsewhere right now which we'll get to later wow that was a, that was a really strong plug for the later parts of this podcast i mean i i <laughs> spoiler metal gear survive is not a great game, but it is a game perhaps engineered to give Matt the dopamine hits he wants most, and he is going to try his best to <laughs> reflect on what that means about himself. <laughs> oh and man, popular co- and video games in general. But um, yeah, you, I mean, do you want to get into that right now? Because we have nothing else in the news section. No, let's let's hold off. Let's edge this a little bit longer. All right, you want me to go? Yeah, you start with your first game because I've got two. I got I've two got games two I've been well. playing. You All got right. two as well. Yeah, two plus two equals four. Time zero equals zero. That's what our time is worth. Go ahead, Bob. All right, uh, I played two games. Uh, the first one I only played for half an hour, which is to say a worthless amount of time for me. <laughs> um, and that was Mount Your Friends 3D. Ooh, sequel to Mount Your Friends. Uh, I would say a critical hit. For zero stars. Oh, 100%. One of my favorite games of the aughts, even though it was released in the teens. Whenever it came out, Mount Your Friends, if you've not played it, is a two-dimensional game where you're on a 2D plane and you build a tower of burly men. Uh, And it's really just a physics simulator where you're manipulating the limbs of these burly men and kind of, at a certain point, you can freeze them in place if they're touching another burly man. And they are taller than the previous burly man was in a stack of burly dudes. And so you build this stack of guys. And with each new dude who tries to join the stack, you have a new time limit. Uh, so the time limit is like 30 seconds every time. And you have 30 seconds to get your new dude to the top of the tower, freeze him there, and then restart from the bottom with another 30 seconds and get another dude to the top of the tower. You're always climbing a tower of burly dudes. Yeah, and the music is this hilariously melodramatic string stuff that sounds like it's from a movie about war. Yeah, And the guys have extremely gratuitous dongs that are swanging. Yeah, the the physics... Talk about a physics simulation. (laughs) it is a real journey. Um, So... Would That's you, Mount Your Friends. Would you say that it's quap-like? It is quap-like. But more accessible, certainly. Yes, and it is a lot of fun. Uh, if you've not played Mount Your Friends, it's like five bucks on Steam, and you should get it. Yeah, it's unfortunately only on Windows. Uh, yeah, you could get it for, I think, some consoles, though. I could be wrong. It used to. It was on the Xbox 360 Indie Arcade. Which is how we discovered it yes. and fell in love. Um, and then that, I don't know if that's still available, because I think they shut that down. You're probably right. So it might only be available to Windows folks. In any case, okay, so you've been playing Matt Your Friends 3D. Right, the sequel to uh, Matt's favorite game of some amount of time, Mount Your Friends, um, which is, it's a weird idea to put Mount Your Friends in 3D. I think just on a baseline level, that seems like a very difficult task because it's this yeah. strange physics simulation. Uh, and having played it for a relatively short amount of time, I have to say I am very impressed uh, with their execution. So this is one dude. Uh, I believe his name is Dan Steger. His last name is definitely Steger. His company is called Stegersaurus. Excellent. Man. Uh, and this game is cool. I really like it. It's a it's a weird thing to exist in a world where indie game creators are making two dimensional versions of their games and then graduating to the three D space as though the N sixty four just came out, which is kind of cool. 
And it this game, really, yeah. it really has a lot of the hallmarks of the transition to 3D that came about with the PlayStation 1 and the N64. And Bubsy 3D. Yeah, a little bit, though, where there are mechanics that worked in 2D that don't work quite as well in 3D. And I would say, unequivocally, Mount Your Friends, the original 2D version, is a better game than this game. Just pure what is a game that is going to be a better game than this. Uh, And it is a better game than this. At the same time, this is a very good version of it. And it's a lot of fun to move because they map it so that you're only able to grab things with your hands. And oh, so you're no longer using the feet right. like you used to in the original. Feet and hands. Right. So in this case, it's that you have your left mouse button is your left hand and your right mouse button is your right hand. And when you're clicking it, you're letting go of that hand. And so you're when you move the mouse, you're like shifting the character's weight. And then whatever mouse you are holding isn't gripping. So the character's weight is moving relative to what's holding on to something. Yeah. If that makes sense. Which allows you to kind of shove the mouse with, and then take your fingers and jam them on the buttons, and suddenly you're soaring forward because you've shifted the weight and then let go of whatever you were holding. Yeah, onto. you have the propulsive energy of having yeah, yeah. thrown yourself, and it works remarkably well. Uh, there's really helpful interface things where uh, they draw an arrow off of your hand. So you can oh. see what you're going to grab onto. Is this in the first... Do you take over each no, character in the first person? it's in the or third is it? person. Okay. And the camera kind of pivots around uh, a little bit slower than I'd like, but I think there's a setting for that. Uh, and you climb a tower of dudes in 3D space. And it is sort of amazing and beautiful occasionally when the tower gets very tall and it's in 3d space and there's a shadow stretching out to the horizon of this tower of dudes and the music is swelling and you're climbing up of it but swinging the mouse because you can get hung up on their limbs if you don't kind of take a wide swing yeah so you like have to swing the mouse really wide and kind of lope up this tower and the tower is arced out in front of you in 3d and it looks great, and it's fun. And there's a multiplayer mode, which I played. Oh. Uh, Do you build towers si- next to each other? So the way that the multiplayer works is you are all building the same tower, but your goal is to be the uh, the last person uh, who doesn't run out of time. And I won the multiplayer game I played. The really enjoyable thing is that there is a sticker button that allows you to just select these random stickers. Uh, and... It just, when you select one of them, puts it on the screen in kind of a random spot. One of these stickers is just the face of a Mount Your Friends guy. With It's just like this dumb little face with like a circular eyes and a circular mouth. So he's just like, whoa. <laughs> and uh, nobody was using the stickers. And we were about halfway through the game. And I just started to spam that little sticker. <laughs> so it was just covering up like all of the screen. And then the other two people who were playing also started to spam that <laughs> sticker. And so it was just the three of us like putting the sticker. So one of us would be climbing and then the other two people would just be like, bop, 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 bop. and there's just like this face of this dude, like, oh, 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 oh. Peak multiplayer. Yeah. And it was a really pleasant multiplayer experience. Also, I won. That sounds, <laughs> it's very important that you all I cannot emphasize enough. On the I record, won the game. It recorded it. Yes. Thank you. Um, I have, Two questions. Please. One, um, obviously, as we've mentioned, one of the best parts about the original Mont Your Friends was the... Swangin'. Swangin' dongs. Do they sw- do they swing in eight directions? Yeah, this is full... Full 3D. Full 3D. If you were to wear 3D glasses, you'd poke your eye out. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Um, There's like a character creator in this. Uh, I have not delved into that, and I do wonder if it has a length adjuster. Oh, I... I what is this? What is this rated by the ESRB? I do not think that it is. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like our podcast. Remarkably, it got a uh, on Steam. It's rated as having nudity in it, which is not accurate. Maybe you haven't gotten far enough. Yeah, you maybe. haven't tried out the character creator, right? I suppose if you made their little like singlet thong that they all wear, yeah. if you made that uh, a flesh tone, it could result in some interesting <laughs> pictures. <laughs> Uh, there's all kinds of places we could take this, but this is a family podcast. Yes. Remember, we, we avoided the explicit <laughs> tag. Um, 
my second question is, do they retain the music from the first one, or is that an option at any it's point? It's a new arrangement, but it is very similar, and it okay. achieves the same effect. It's very good. Okay, that's the important thing. It's very good. Dope. I'm really looking forward to this, actually. You I should need play to get it. myself a mouse that will work with this computer reliably. If you have like a Mac with a trackpad, and it's this sort of Mac single-button trackpad, yeah, or a, a Mac mouse, you will have a very negative experience with this yeah. game. Yeah, it's entirely based around a two-button mouse. Okay, cool. I have a two-button mouse. I just need to make sure I can hook it up. Nice. With this computer. So you've been playing Metal Gear Survive. Or do you want to start with your other game? Oh, I want to start with my other game. Do it. Um, so I've been playing... Oh, I'm going to start by talking about another game before my other game, before Metal Gear Survive. You said uh, you only had two games. No, I just want to... This is an introduction. All to, right. So I started playing... Um, about a year ago, I started playing this game called Imbroglio for iOS. Um, it might be out on Android as well. I don't really know. It's made by this guy named Michael Bro. Um, and it's essentially like this this roguelike that it takes place a on a... like roguelike. I guarantee you he has made that, that, that <laughs> pun at some point. Um, and it just takes place on this like one. I, it's probably like a five by five grid. I'm assuming because this the game that I'm about to talk about is also a five by five grid. And you just move around that grid, and there's monsters on the grid. And whatever tile you're on has a weapon on it. And those weapons are specialized to do damage against certain monsters and not against others. So you're moving around the grid trying to strategize. You move oh, it's like, like a one game. move. It's kind of like a puzzle game. It's like a puzzle, um, a puzzle tactical. Uh, roguelike yeah um so i really like that i really like imbroglio and i recommend it to to anybody who kind of enjoys those kinds of games it also has like this it looks like it was designed in ms paint but in a strangely charming way oh that sounds good um so michael bro released a new game a few weeks ago and it's called cinco paus i think i'm pronouncing this right i was not able to look this up is is he portuguese no Michael Bro is not Portuguese. Okay. But the entirety of Cinco Paus is in Portuguese. <laughs> um, Cinco, so first of all, uh, on iOS, it costs $5. The name means five sticks or wands. But also, it may be slang. Paus may be slang for bucks in Portuguese. I'm not entirely sure, but I've read this. And so that means that it also could be, the title could be read as five bucks, which is exactly how much it costs, which kind of gives you an idea of like what Michael Bro is like okay. and like the kind of game that you're, that you're in for. Is he looking for a position on a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Cause I like this. Cause guy. I'm looking for a new partner. <laughs> that hurt. Um, so like in Broglio, it's on a, it's this game where you play a wizard and you're on a five by five <laughs> grid. It's a, it's a roguelike. You move, then the monsters move. But instead of picking up the weapon on whatever tile you're on, um, you have, you can attack monsters by running into them, but you only take off one damage and then they can do one damage to you. you but you have a total of five life. But you also have these five wands. Now, you can point the wands at monsters, and that'll take up your turn, but it might destroy the monster outright, or it might create treasure that appears right in front of you. But you never know what the wand is going to do, because when you start a game, you have a clean slate of five wands. Each wand has four powers. And you don't know what they are. You don't know what they are. Oh, that's fun. So you this gradually the learn what they are. that Hawaii wants to stop. Yeah. You gradually learn what the powers are. Um but only if you speak Portuguese, <laughs> because the descriptions of the powers are all in Portuguese. So everything about this game, literally everything, is in Portuguese. You can't change the language. Does he speak Portuguese? I, he probably does now. <laughs> <laughs> or he used Google Translate. I don't know. But this is like, it is like both funny and frustrating and kind of brilliant because it also forces you to engage with the game and learn the little uh-huh. icons. And kind of never exactly everything is always a little bit of a gamble thus hawaii but like everything is always a little bit of a gamble but there's also some skill involved because as you learn the abilities and learn the icons that are associated with the abilities you kind of garner a better understanding and are able to uh move tactically it's not a fantastic game because if you have a really bad first room 
it's probably not necessarily, you, you may be better off like just dying and starting over. Right. You can just kind of get into an unwinnable situation. Yeah. And there are wand combinations that are much better than others. Like sometimes they'll just like completely fuck you over by like doubling enemies. And sometimes it'll double enemies, but then one of the other abilities on that given wand will, will also like create treasure or it'll double enemies, but then it's combined with one that kills. Like I've gotten combinations where like it doubles the enemies, but then another another power on the wand also kills any mirror enemies. Okay. So it'll double them and then kill them because that's how the al- that's you know how it's how it's programmed. randomly just generated. Yeah, how it's randomly generated. But it's always interesting and because I mean talk about like that gambling kind of thing. You're always kind of curious like every time you go into a new game you're like, "Okay, what cool right. like abilities am I going to get?" The way that the point system works though is that there's only ever I think there's 5 or 6 screens that you go in go through per game and you come out on the other side with a set number of points and then you carry those over into the next game where you have totally new wands. Oh, interesting. So this is how it kind of keeps you from learning the wands too well. So you're always going to have a new remix of wands every like 6 screens or so. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a really cool game. I've never played anything like that. I love that. I I've never played anything like it either. It also maintains the weird like MS Paint style <laughs> like like sometimes like like it's like one of the the minor enemies is like a shrimp. It's oh. just like you're fighting shrimp then like the, the then there's like also lizards and then frogs and then roosters. <laughs> and that's as far as I've gotten is like the most dangerous. Maybe they introduce more enemies if you like play like 8 or 9 rounds in a row but like like roosters are the most dangerous things i have encountered and it's it's just like it's a it's it's weird and fun and it's like it's clear that this guy like has interesting ideas and runs with them and then iterates on them because it also feels very much like it is an iteration on imbroglio that sounds great yeah I, check that out i recommend it's it's a high price of admission five bucks is a lot um depending on how you feel about ios games but I like this guy's stuff, and I also just kind of like want to support him because he makes he doesn't speak Portuguese, presumably, but he makes games that are entirely in Portuguese. He sounds like a real goofball, and I like it. Yes, exactly. He seems like a cool goofball, and I'm down with that anytime. What's your second game? All right, so my other game, uh, I was on Steam, and I saw that there had been a game recently released in February called Remnants of Nazith. Uh, and this is a uh, game apparently by a Turkish developer. It is an indie game. And uh, it bills itself as being designed for speedrunning. Like every blurb that you see about this game references speedrunning. What they really mean is that it's a Meat Boy-esque platforming game that okay. has uh, a timer for each level. Where the point <coughs> of it is just to get through the levels fast as much as it is to get through the levels. Um it's clearly low budget. Every time that you start it, it has this cinema sequence with art that I would call okay uh, <laughs> that tells you the story of the game, um, which is that there is a dragon. And it's voiced over in this way that has lower recording quality than this podcast. So it's kind of echoey and like a guy's in a room and it's like, and it's like, Nazith was a dragon. And Nazith was a dragon who Wait, got broken is- up. This is called Memories of Nazith? Remnants of Nazith. Oh, Nazith. Nazith. Nazith was a dragon. Nazith was a dragon was the working title. <laughs> uh, so he was he was a dragon. He's been broken up into parts or something, and now you're collecting the remnants of Nazith as this dude who has uh, like grappling hooks for arms. And the way that the game... That is the most video game description of anything. <laughs> And the fact that you said that with the straightest face, (laughs) (laughs) you're You're collecting remnants of this dragon (laughs) with a dude who is grappling hooks for arms. He is shirtless. Uh, Of course he is. Nazith was a dragon and his life was pretty bad. The remnants of his body scattered across the land. The way that it works is that the levels are platforming sections and they're contained. And at the end of each of them is just a target, which is an object that you need to touch and you complete the level, right? Um, But the controls are such that you press one button and he shoots a grappling hook and it always comes out at the same angle, sort of 45 degrees from his body upwards. Uh, 
and it has like a set reach on it. And then if that tar- if that hits something it can grapple to, you swing. Otherwise, you can run, you can jump, and then there's like a boost that you can do. And the combinations that you can do with these controls are crazy. Uh, you die if you touch spikes or water, but if you hit the water and you're going fast enough, or if you use the boost on water, you skate on the water. That's so cool. It is awesome. It is such a cool game. I can't play it for long periods of time. I have to keep playing it in these 30-minute bursts because it hurts my thumbs. Do you play it with a controller? Or with I play a- it with a controller on the Mac. Okay. Uh, and the way it works, it's it's like trials. If you ever played that, where the B button is just restart the level, uh, because you want to do it so rapidly. Yeah. There are checkpoints in the levels um, because it's clearly designed for you to just be able to get through it if you want. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't really try to beat my own times, but I force myself to complete each level in a single go, without dying, which is fun. And every time you start a level, there's a ghost that starts the level with you. If you beat the ghost, you get a special marker on the level. And I assume that there's benefits for beating a certain number of them with uh, the by beating the ghost, you know, that sort of stuff. Beating the ghost is also just like a really good album title. Not bad. Yeah. It is a really cool game. And it is the sort of thing where I think if you are hearing this and you go, I like Super Meat Boy, I like tough platformers, I like being frustrated, but also really enjoying the frictions of a game and the constant sense that, oh, if I just was better at these controls, I would destroy this. It is that game. It is really cool. It's very well made for something that a single person seems to have done. It costs $10. Uh, If you're into that type of game, you should support this person. You should get this game. It's really fun to play. It sounds uh, the idea that like you, there's a very limited number of verbs, but the, what those verbs are, well, and they and combine, the way that you imme- yeah, and the way that you immediately like know that you can combine them and like just, I I have no idea what this game looks like, but I am already feeling the feeling of like launching through the air. Oh, and it feels so and, when you start yeah. to build momentum off of swinging because you'll swing from one thing and then you're just coasting in the air. You press the thing, you're coasting again, but you need to get going the other direction so you boost midway through that swing you flip over the other side of the thing because you loop all the way around and then you let go of the chain and then just like pop to the next one i hope it comes to switch it would be awesome on the switch it's been a good year so far for like platformers meat boy-esque platformers with between apparently that and celeste So, so i was looking to buy celeste and i just saw this and it was very well regarded in the Steam review, so I just yeah. took a chance, and I really appreciate it. We should play some Celeste, and then we'll come back to that, and maybe we'll talk about that. And and we should uh, do that because I'm going to play more of, of this. Of Dragon Man. Remnants of Nazith, which Nazith. is the most unfortunate part about it, because that name is terrible. At least it's literal. Usually, when you get dumb names, they're like Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> yeah. They're they're totally non literal. It is literally about the remnants of yeah. Nazith. So I respect that at least. The there is a really cool mechanic in it. So if you boost and then you press the jump button, they combine, but it has to do with when you press them within each of their, like, cooldowns. So oh. if you jump in the air and then you press the boost, he kind of, like, goes on this, like, low parabola. But if you hit the boost and then jump, he, like, rockets up. It's very tuned. I'm going to check this out it's for fun. sure. It's yeah, this fun seems game. like something I would dig. And we sh- I think that we should... I want to play this, and so we can talk about that. And I then, should play Celeste. And then, yeah, you play Celeste, and we can have, like, a platforming... That'd be great. Episode. Let's do it. All right. Cool. Do so, you have anything? Do you have another game? No, that's it. And I'm, I'm going to talk more about Remnants of Nazis. Nazith some other time. Nars, Narnia. Uh, but tell have, me about Metal Gear Survive. All right, Metal Gear Survive. I picked this up on a whim the day it came out because I was curious. Um, I uh, I guess the first thing I should say is, like I said before, I think it's like the best free to play game I've ever played. That's not actually free to play. Yeah. Um, it's 40 bucks. It is a game in which you is nothing to do with the Metal Gear Solid universe, really. It's kind of ancillary to that, even though you briefly see Solid Snake and it replays some of the Metal Gear Solid 5 cutscenes. Oh, that's early really on. weird. But um, it takes place, it is a true Gaiden, is it takes place in an alternate universe where you are within the Metal Gear Solid universe, you were sucked into a wormhole. You, as like a character creation, by the player, uh-huh. are sucked into a wormhole and are left in this world that is full of, like, Dante references and is just, he's in it. <laughs> Do you guys hear that crack of the crispy boy? <laughs> the crack of the crispy boy Wasted. by H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> Near Automata. 
In any case, you're thrown into this like wasteland world that actually looks a lot like um, Metal, oh, Gear Metal Gear Solid Five uh, and its version of Africa. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the Middle East, you're thrown into this wasteland world where uh, there are these like crystal headed zombies everywhere. Um, That's cool. Crystal headed zombie. Pretty good. Pretty all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like very B movie in the Metal Gear Solid vein. Um, And you basically build a base and occasionally have to defend that base while also venturing out beyond the base to collect supplies, collect other survivors, etc. And it's very much it's very cyclical. Um, so is it you're a base building game? Are you defending a base from the crystal headed zombies? Sometimes there will be waves of crystal headed zombies that will come and attack the base. Yes, and you, but you're building the base. But you build, yeah, you build the base. Hmm. Um, it's kind of like strict limitations on how you build the base, but like you can build defenses and so stuff like that. So it's sort of a tower defense game. There's a tower defense aspect to it, and there will be smaller tower defense things in between. Sometimes you'll be out in the world exploring, and you'll find like. A, a transporter that will allow you to teleport back and forth from base. But if you activate the transporter to fix it, you'll first need to defend. It'll like alert all the zombies in the area. And if you didn't kill all of them beforehand, they'll all come rushing towards you. Oh, interesting. So there's like a mini tower defense That's there. That's pretty cool. Um, and you can always be like, you if you're, it's got like that Fortnite aspect where you can kind of like, if you have items, if you have a fence, for instance, you can't build a fence anywhere, but if you have fence parts built, you can like create a little fence around yourself. Or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Um, like a little fenced-in area. Because yeah, you're always carrying like squares of of random like sandbags and is stuff like that. Is this multiplayer or are you alone? So there is actually a multiplayer aspect to this. And the game is requires you to always be online. Hmm. Uh, I have not experimented with the multiplayer. And I'm going to talk about that probably on our next podcast. Because I just haven't had time to. Gotcha. I've just been playing the single player. But the core hook of survival... <laughs> Which is right there in the title. Uh-huh. It is it is very survival horror, but it's a little bit more exploration based. So, that sounds cool. And base building, it's my it's my thing to a T. It is your sweet spot. It's not nearly. It's not like quite my sweet spot the way that Resident Evil or The Evil Within or you, you know those kinds of games are my sweet spot. But um, because this requires you to manage things like hunger and et cetera, there's both a hunger and thirst meter, and there's a lot of like little things that could be streamlined and don't seem like they actually like managing them doesn't really add much to the experience other than like unnecessary complexity. Right. But the core loop of it is deeply satisfying to me in a way that collecting things is not like Mario where you're collecting coins and to what end, or you're collecting moons and to what end after you opened every level, you, everything that you collect presumably has a purpose and has a use and you need it in order to survive. So Uh, that's the name of the game. Yes, exactly. Where does the metal gear come in? So this is the interesting thing. You're hearing um, a lot of survive. Yeah. So essentially, this is a Metal Gear game insofar as that, like, I have a, I was trying to think about this earlier, and I don't know how to describe the very particular aesthetics, visual, and sound-oriented of a Metal Gear game. But it... I mean, anime? But Metal Gear isn't strictly anime. Like, anime things go on, and they, like, <laughs> this has... A, this has a lot of those, like, crazy... Like, the most anime thing in Metal Gear games tends to be quick camera zooms which are less anime yeah. than necessarily they are probably like old school japanese and cool gunplay and cool gunplay and there's fewer cinematics in this so there's less opportunity for that but, but there are a, kind of those extensive cinematics or no in the very beginning of the game there is a lot of them and they are egregious and it actually turned me off <laughs> immediately <laughs> the start. beginning of this game is very rough going and there's a lot of like very kojima-esque cinematic decisions although kojima obviously has nothing to do with this right there's one sequence in which you listen to a probably like 10 minute long conversation that is being relayed while you're just looking at like a bank of security camera like footage <laughs> 10 minutes and so like the the footage will only like refresh every so often oh. so you're really looking at still images and it's very Kojima, but it's more like Metal Gear Solid Ghost Babble on like the Game Boy Color Sounds than it like is. Sounds like it's Metal Gear on a budget. Yeah, it's which is, but it's like it's the same directorial decision that someone like Kojima would make. Yeah. Where ten years ago, no one would have seen anything like that, and they'd be like, "That's kind of neat." Also, it's way too long. Yes, um, that's kind of neat. Also, it's way too long. Is the my back of box quote for Metal Gear? Yeah, it, and it retains like there is a 
I think one of the first credits is a cinema uh, cinematography director or whatever. Okay. Like, and like you still have that quality that's in Metal Gear Five of like it seems as though everything is shot on a handheld camera, even yep. though there is no camera. Do they do a title card sequence, like an actual intro, like they always do in Metal Gear, where it's credits and everything up front? Um, yes, there's a long, yeah, there's a, yeah. but it's, I mean, it's story oriented. Yeah. But yeah. then they, they overlay everybody who worked on it on there. And yes. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it does a lot of that. And then there's, and there's like an hour of tutorializing intercut with like dumb, I mean, there's a story in there, but like once the game actually opens up and you get there's to play. There's a story in there is my other back of box quote yeah. for Metal Gear. There's like a, co- there's codex scenes and everything. And there's okay. like some quirky dialogue and like there's, you know. It's, Innuendo. Actually, not very much innuendo so far. I'm sort of surprised. Yeah, that's shocking. It feels a lot like a lot less suggestive. So maybe Kojima was the only perv <laughs> on the team. <laughs> but more importantly, is like there is like a a house style that comes with the Metal Gear. It's beyond the Fox engine, which is gorgeous, by the way. The game runs it not quite sixty, but usually it it's, it's good. way over thirty, and it looks very good. Awesome. So it's a good looking game. But there's um. There's something. There's this quality too. Do you remember in Metal Gear Solid when you would switch between between items and it would make that? Yep. And it was like a very great noise. That might be my favorite part of Metal Gear. There's a similar noise that occurs when you crouch or stand or do different things in Metal Gear Solid Five that is recreated here. And there is a there's this sense when you are moving from different positions in this game that you are almost like a transformer, (laughs) like moving like you lock into the individual positions in a way that sometimes feels more fluid but less satisfying in other games. Um, the, uh, Metal Gear has always, in a weird way, foregrounded its mechanical nature. Mm-hmm. Whereas it feels... I remember Metal Gear Solid coming out next to... The first Metal Gear Solid came out next to Ocarina of Time. And Ocarina of Time felt so natural and just... I, I'm a boy who's got a sword <laughs> and I'm just going to go do that. And you felt like you immediately knew how to do it. Yeah. Whereas Metal Gear Solid was like... I'm controlling a man who is going to be a stealth dude, but I need to learn how to be a man who wants to be a stealth man. Every button has multiple purposes. And it's, and it's totally just, none of it is naturalistic. I mean, frankly, it feels pretty clean coming from player unknowns battlegrounds and playing that with a controller. Well, Cause that's madness. Yeah. Even though I got pretty fucking used to that. <laughs> Hear you me. But, um, <laughs> I mean, the thing is that, like, the Fox engine is very good at certain things. And overall, like, Metal Gear Solid Five has phenomenal combat and controls. Yeah, it's a great game. This is because that's lifted so wholesale from Five in this game. Sometimes, like, the hand-to-hand combat, because there's a lot more of that, or the melee combat doesn't feel quite tuned to dealing with zombies in, okay. because it is essentially a zombie game. And, and like... Um, it just works different. It's yeah. It's it doesn't quite have the quality. Like the zombies are a little are faster than you get in say Resident Evil Four. So and you're never quite fast enough. It feels mm-hmm. so. It's not quite tuned perfectly, but it's it's tuned well enough that it's still good. And so you like this game? Oh, I do like this game quite a bit. Yes, I'm having a very good time with it. I would not recommend it to everybody. Though. But you would recommend it to who? Who is this game for, Matt? Um, I would recommend this to people who really enjoy everything in Metal Gear Solid Five that is not the story. That sounds like a great game. It's quite a few people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not as good as Metal Gear Solid Five because, again, it's not quite tuned the way that Metal Gear Solid Five is. And Metal is. Gear Solid Five is a tour de force. Yeah, and they cut some other aspects out of it. There's a lot less. It's a lot less clear when you can climb things. They kind of okay. give you like a few more things that you can climb. But it's like there there are certain abilities that like don't translate as well. There's really kind of stealth is just sort of dumb in this because the the creatures that you're stealth killing are very dumb. So the AI is not impressive, but it's also not meant to be a, a crystal headed zombies. Yeah, it's not meant to be a showcase for AI. Um, and but when you shoot the zombies, if you shoot a zombie in the knee, does it stop and hold its knee and and go? Las Plagas on you, like yeah, it totally Great. does. Yeah, I'm I'm having a good time. And like when you hit them in the head, like it explodes. And oh, does there's it like, like shatter? It shatters. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. And you have like there's a pretty good bow and arrow that you are very reliant on for a large that portion of the game. That sounds fun. Yeah, no, I totally recommend it. Um, I mean, I've been really wanting a game like this. Mm-hmm. I think even more than I wanted a game like Battlegrounds. So. 
I just like the resource management. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it sounds yeah. like a good game. It just makes me it makes me wish that it had the cleaner interface of something like Resident Evil 4 or et cetera. Yeah, which is the danger. Yeah, right? I want everything. it to be a little bit more of an arcade game because I don't think that it quite pulls off the complexities of, of like the large-scale base resource management and having to manage like multiple stats like hunger and thirst at the same time. But that's super interesting. It's a yeah. I, it's, oh, I, I sh- I'm surprised by how positive your response is. I also I want to say that like well there, uh, I got to this point recently where I thought that like I was like okay I think I get the core loop of this game, mm-hmm. and I was out in the wasteland and there's this thing where you enter this like I think it's called the dust but this area where like visibility is limited you can't use your map and you have to you have like an oxygen tank that you also have to be tracking alongside your hunger and thirst. And I was out there, and I'd been out there a bunch of times before. I was like, okay, there's more zombies out here. And I saw something that I thought I was seeing things at first. And there was something out in the dust that you, that I think that players will encounter relatively early on, but I don't want to spoil it because it is such a... I, it was one of those things where I was like, simultaneously inside the game, I was like, oh, fuck. But also outside the game, I was like, this is definitely running on a PS4. And really? it's like actually using the power of this engine to do something really fucking cool. Oh wow! Yeah, that is. I'm so intrigued. I. It's like it was kind of in a dumb way worth the price of admission for me. And it's the moment where I was like, "This is more than than." It's probably the one thing that makes it feel like more than just a free to play game. Interesting. Because the rest of it's like I've seen all of these assets before, et cetera, et cetera. But this is something that broke that very succinctly i don't know where they're going to go with it with this mystery thing that i don't want to mention but i'm i'm kind of on board just to see where they go with it that's terrific i i yeah i was less interested in it but you've really sold this thing to me yeah i i mean i would definitely recommend it for anybody who likes resource management games and likes the shooting in metal gear solid because it's satisfying awesome dude yeah cool what was your uh, favorite thing of the week that wasn't a video game my favorite thing of the week that's not a video game uh well, I was at the gym like a year and a half ago. <laughs> the last time you were at the gym. Yeah. And uh, I heard a song on the playlist, and it was a dumb hair metal song. And I didn't know what it was. It was playing over the speakers? Yeah, playing over the speakers oh, in the gym. Cool. Which, when if I am at a gym, I do not want to listen to headphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want, And I actually don't like listening to music on headphones particularly at all. I just want it on speakers really loud. And it makes it easier for me to focus when it's just kind of around me. Yeah. Uh, and they were playing this dumb hair metal song. And I thought this, I thought it sounded like Def Leppard, but I did not know the song. And the chorus has a very strange melodic turn in it that I was just shocked by. I thought it was the coolest thing. And uh, this past week, I finally figured out what song it is. <laughs> and it's uh, the song Rocket by... Def Leppard. They spell it like a rocket ship, <laughs> though the song seems to be about rocking it. <laughs> That's wordplay for you. I, I have no idea. The song is not that great, but I would really recommend the chorus of the song Rocket by Def Leppard because there's it goes like, rocket, yeah, and then there's this harmony part that they do, and they do it twice, and both times it's different. And it's a very tight, like, four-part harmony that does a strange melodic turn that I would never have expected. And inexplicably, the thing they are singing in that harmony is Satellite of Love, which is apparently a reference to the Lou Reed song, because this song is entirely constructed of the lyrics to other rock songs. The Lou, this song is? Yes. Oh, that's pretty... That's kind of... I kind of like stuff like that. I it think I would like super, that. It is super, super strange, but man... We're going to listen to it right after we finish recording. I'm excited because yeah. it is kind of terrible, but I really enjoy the the harmony part. And it's also very impressive because it's pre-Pro Tools, and it <laughs> is just people singing very well. Oh, cool. Uh, and it's odd. Cool. Anyways. I'm getting... The drone is delivering the LP. It's on its way right Great, now. Great, dude. Actually, well, it's Hysteria, which I don't think is very good. No. I would say Pyromania, though. Good Death Let me Leopard see if they record. have the, the single, like an EP with a single 7 You want that. The single yeah. version is better than the album version. I've been listening to Rocket a lot this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the single version, the, the LP version of it has like 30 seconds of weird Basque ma- back, back masked 
vocals. Bosk matting. Yep. It's terrible. And there's like all these things where it's just voices like, hey, hoo, ha. <laughs> and it's super dumb. Um, but then the actual single version cuts all that out and is just like, here's this chorus again and again. And it's good. All right. It was the fifth single off of Hysteria. Huh. What uh, year was Hysteria? Do you, do you know if you had to guess off the top of your head? 87, maybe. Sounds good. I like it when we guess at dates on this show. I'm pretty it's sure it was 87. <laughs> Well, let's say I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess 86. But uh, that's wrong. Okay. It might be 88. What's your thing? Uh, this is a very musical episode. Um, <laughs> my thing is Bruce Hornsby. Okay. Uh, I've been on like a big Bruce Hornsby kick. So uh, I I think that like most people have listened to Bruce Bruce Hornsby if they've ever listened to like a light rock station because he's like every third song on there. We are the lamest people. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm getting from this. Um, Bruce Hornsby is a pianist and vocalist, uh, known for light rock mostly. I think that like he came to my attention most recently on the, um, probably in like 2012 uh, when Bon Iver released the self-titled Bon Iver and he was clearly going for like a Bruce Hornsby vibe on some of the songs on there, especially the album closer. And, um, I remember listening to that and being like, why does this sound so familiar? And uh, just recently, I just like randomly on Spotify, which I, was, I listen to sometimes at work, a Bruce Hornsby song came on. Nice. And it was this song called The Show Goes On. And I had never heard the song before. But the opening, I had this strange experience where the opening minute of piano, the piano intro, um, especially when this there's two pianos going at the same time. And it was the most nostalgic I had ever felt oh, while wow. listening to a song that I had never heard before. I often feel nostalgia for when I listen to like, especially songs from childhood. Oh, of course. Like lots of that deep, like emotional chest. Yes. Pull. And I felt it. This was a song that I was very, very clear to me. I knew I'd never heard before, but it had that same effect on me and it was very, very potent. And then only 30 the minutes. Must go the on. show must go on. It's apparently from the movie Backdraft, the Whoa. movie about firefighters. Yeah. Or, I don't know it's if it was written Howard for that joint. or it was used in that. But in any case, I listened to the song. I've been thinking about it. I bought it on my, um, I got it, immediately bought it on iTunes on my phone. I was, I was actually, I just left work and I was walking to a Barnes and Noble that's like one of the last living Barnes and Nobles down the street. Um, for my office because I was looking for something there and I was listening to the show must go on on my way turn off the music because I go into the as I go into the store and I'm browsing and minutes later not the show must go on but Bruce Hornsby's other hit the way it is comes on and like all of these songs kind of sound the same yeah yeah so for a moment I was like wait is this the show must go on I was like no nah, it's just the way it is <laughs> some things are never gonna change but the show must go on 